0: the kingdom culture values. We've been talking about that for the last, well, while (laughs) we've been going through it and it's been really good. Um, But we've been talking, we paused on um, Presence Center Living and because we covered this big thing called spiritual disciplines. You know, we talked about, well, what are spiritual disciplines? And then we broke it in part and well, there's personal application and there's um, community application because you can't do all of it just by yourself because God did not make Adam and then stop there. He continued on with Eve because it's not good for man to be alone. He wants people to be together. He loves that. He designed that. In fact, that's why Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they work together. He wants to practice that. He wants us to practice the, the harmony that works together, the complement one another. That's why they work so well, and that's why we want to work like they do. We want to be in community like that. So, We uh, covered last time a bunch of them, but here's the community ones I just really want to take away with. So there's prayer, there's celebration, study, community, simplicity, uh, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance. Um, There's going to be a lot of these things. We'll see kind of the different comparisons um, and how we apply that. Um, And I'm just going to read a few things. I just thought it was just so interesting, the Western approach versus the Hebrew approach. I really, really... There's just there was a they had that I need to look through this whole article. It's really long. I want to read through it, but it was just really cool. Um, now Greek, you know, the thinking is life analyzed in precise categories, and the Hebrew approach is everything blurs into everything else. A split between natural and supernatural, and then supernatural affects everything. Linear logic, contextual or block knowledge, logic, like there's it's very different. If you start thinking through that very, very different. It's a very different approach. Biological life, sacred or social life, supremely important. It's, it's a very different, very different, very different approach. And I was going to put them all in there, but then there's, I'm just realizing how, wow, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, material goods equals measure of personal achievement. You know, like that's the Greek thing or blind faith, knowledge-based faith. Because, you know, we can't believe who God is without reading the word and saying, this is true. This is, this is getting in here, but we walk in faith. Once we say, you know, when God says, I am, it's like, well, that's why we know that he is. It's because he is, and he's, he's showing himself to be faithful continually. Um, what do I do, or how do I do it? Because there's a difference between what do I do? What do you want me to do? Go open the door. Well, how do you want me to open the door? Well gently, courteously. You know, you don't want to like, wham! You know, it's like, there's a difference. Like, you want to know how to do this. Well, I need to correct this person. Well, what do you need me to do? Well, correct them. How do I do that? It's a different thing. Like, how do we walk in love? You do it with kindness, love, meekness. There's a difference. So, Greek is, what do I do specifically? How do I do this is how the Hebrews wanted to look at it. So, there's just a lot of different things um, that we want to understand. Um, So, we need to look at the early church. We need to look at the early church because that's what we're trying to go for. We're trying to look through like, what did God create? What did he do? What, is, what was his plan? What, when we talk about like what we want to look like, um, because cause we can say all day long, we want to look like the church. We want to look like God's designed church. We don't know what that looks like. And it's not bad that what we're doing is what we're doing. We just want to say, is it what they were doing? And can we get closer to that? We want to be closer to what God's called us to do nothing wrong with what we're doing. I love what we're doing, but I love this 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 whole idea. Everyone was of one heart and one mind. And that's important because, you know, and that's actually, if you believe it or not, it's pretty hard to do. Um, being of one heart and one mind sometimes is actually harder than you think, and that's because sometimes we get picky, and we get mad about little things, and, you know, we let things divide us. Um, you know, we always joke about the carpet dividing us, and, you know, or like, you know, whether we do dancing or not dancing and praise God, I love dancing. I love that everybody's very flowing in the spirit here. I love the fact that we do everything a little, we're, we're weird and I love it. And it's a good weird. I've, I've seen this in the best way. It's like, this is the good weird. We want to look weird. We want to look peculiar, but also we don't want to take for granted that that's what we do. We don't want to just say, well, we just do that. It's like, no, well, why do we do this? Why do I declare and sing? Why do we do like prophetic words and declare the word over the church? Why do we do the things that we do? It's because we want. I love that we're doing this this prayer thing. It's because we want to be of one heart and one mind. I want to be all of us knowing that at some point this week, all of us are praying about the same thing. That's really fun. That's of one heart, one mind. We're praying that God's word would be, go run forth in Afghanistan and that the church would grow and that the sisters and brothers be protected. We're, we're talking. We're all of one heart and one mind. And we're kind of forgetting our differences because we do have some, whether you believe it or not. We have some differences between us. Some of us in upbringing, some of us in culturally, just every bit of difference. But what unites us is Jesus. We want to be united in Jesus. So we're going to look through Acts, uh, we're going to to go a few places, but Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, not some of them, all of them were together and had everything in common. That's a lot of things in common. Everything? Really? Everything? Everything. Everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. Every day, not every week, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. That is awesome. Every day. (laughs) Have we met every day? I'm not saying that you all have to meet collectively every day, but it makes you wonder, like, what does that look like? What would that look like if we met every day? Some of us, not all of us, but maybe there's a few of us that met every day. We're constantly, our goal was to try to meet, to gather together because we were family. We were so close. We felt like family. Because again, you, I mean, I joked about last week. I was like, you know, that, there's the person that lived in our home and, and she was, you know, in and out always and out of breath and always busy. And I'm like, I don't know if you're really that busy, but you're, you're in our house a lot and you're always busy, and you never have time to talk, but somehow you pretend with other people that you know us really well. I think the same thing goes for our church, too, a little bit. We're really busy, and we do things, and we're really busy. I'm like, all right, I'm here, I showed up, I'm gone. I'm like, but did you talk to anybody yet? Did you know, like, you know, and I, I think somebody was mentioning, he's like, I'm kind, and I know I've made, like, you guys break up in small groups, and some of that's been really uncomfortable, and I, I agree, I 100% agree. It's very uncomfortable, and I appreciate the fact that you guys even press in and do that. But he said, I actually haven't talked to some of these people. Actually, I don't even know their name. And I was somebody who's been here for years. And I didn't, I mean, I'm not not pointing out anything. It's not bad, but that's the reality. We want to have all things in common, everything in common. And then it continues on. This is just to reemphasize this point. It's not just at one point in time. It goes again in Acts forty four thirty two and thirty seven. All the believers were in heart one in heart and in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. <clears throat> That's awkward because a lot of us of the American dream like to pretend that we, everything is our own. I'm not saying that is about you, but that is usually the individuality, your your neighbor, your 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 picket fence, your stuff. Don't touch. Yeah. <laughs> But praise God, I know that you guys are good sharers. So I'm not saying this of any of you. So I'm like, I just want to say, wow, that's challenging. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in the middle that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the money from their sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's intense to sell a house, that property, things. That's some buy-in. That's some huge investment. I'm not saying that we have to, I'm not telling you to buy, sell your house. And, but man, I see that. Like, how can we think that way? How can we say, I will give everything. Whatever I have, I will invest. I'm all in. You know, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of, encur- son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So just like those kind of examples, you know, and then it talks about like, we're not doing that just to show off because then there's that one couple you, we all know. It's a pretty intense story. They lied about it. They went to the apostles and said, oh, yeah, we're giving you all the money. And it actually was not all the money. It was most of the money. It's not all of it. They lied to them because they were doing it for show. It's not, we're not doing this for show. And God was actually very angry at that and actually struck them dead. That's intense. And that's in the New Testament. It's not like the Old Testament. It's like, this this is the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He does not like lying. He does not like show. He loves our hearts. He wants that. He said, that's a really bad setting of a tone. He's like, I'm shutting this down before it becomes a big thing. And so we want to make sure we're doing things in secret. He's like, I already told you, do things in secret. My father who sees you in secret, rewards you in secret, he sees all the things that we're doing. So we want to do these things, but not for the glory of man. We want to do it just out of love. Um, so Philippians 2, 1 through 11, I'm going to read a lot of passages, but I want us to be about the word. Because again, if we're not applying the word, we're not living it. I want to live it. Um, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of of one mind. Man, that's going to be hard. That means we need to press in and die to ourselves in some of the things that we want. Even for me, I have to for those introverts, we have to die to ourselves a little bit and be around people that we just have to be around people. We have to do this. We have to be of one mind. That means pushing past something we're not comfortable with. I can be an introvert. I'll, I'll testify to that. I seem very extroverted right now, but wait till I get home. I get really tired. <laughs> so it just all of us struggle in that, and that's okay. But to rea- the reality is we need to be of one mind, one heart, and one spirit. And do nothing out of selfish ambition. Again, don't give selfishly or a vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very, in very nature God. That's, that's a typo. Every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. We need to be of one mind about Jesus and pursuing him with whatever it is. It's not my Jesus and your Jesus. It's our Jesus. We work together. We walk together. Um, We've actually, back in even H2O days, um, we cut a song because it was too individualistic. The reason why is, like, I know that he loves us personally, but uh, he loves this other person next to you just as much, and he loves the person at your work just as much. He loves each one of us just as much as he loves you. So if you could get that, your head out of somewhere... And get the understanding of like, you know what? Don't be so navel gazing, me focused. I'm the one that he loves, I'm the one he delights in. He's like, Yes, it's true, but also look at the others, walk together. He's not calling us to be selfish and, and just by ourselves. He wants us to be together. In Hebrews ten, twenty three through twenty five, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward good. Love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is a hard one, especially in the climate we're in right now. Um, I'm not, and I won't say that what you should do, but I want you to ask the Lord, what does that mean? For some of us who are like, I don't know, things are getting weird, you know. I'm, we're just not going to go there. We're going to go, we know, we know what's coming. We know what's been behind us. But we need to be asking God, like, what do you want? Not what I'm comfortable with. Because this is not easy. To be encouraging one another is not easy to do. I mean, like, do you have to... Okay, Dan, do you have to encourage... To encourage your wife, does that come naturally? Or do you have to get up and do it? Like, does it happen by accident? Yeah. Like, do you just like, oh, I just it happened to happen? Or do you go... I'm going to purposely encourage you. I'm going to think about you. I'm, I, you have to set your mind on her and start loving her and declaring things about her. And it, it becomes second nature, but it's not second nature initially. It is not our nature to encourage one another and mutually encourage each other to good works, which I love this. If we need to look here, let's read all these words, these we, these things that let us. It's not talking about a pastor. It's talking about the body. It's talking about mutually encouraging one another, everyone all in, mutually professing our hope, professing Jesus Christ in our midst, constantly, not on Sunday mornings, not on, well, now it's my time to teach. It's like, I'm going to talk about Jesus. It's our daily conversations. And I pray that, and I know I've seen some of you and how awesome you are about daily professing your faith. It doesn't have to be a religious thing. It's just, it's your relationship with Jesus. It's coming out of you. But I also know the temptation is to, especially in our culture, itemize things, separate things. It's my work life. It's my home life. It's my this life. It's my, it's my things. It's your things. It's like, no, it's his things. It's, it's him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. And he never, ever stops being who he is. Um, And we need to be aware of them. And I love this. Everyone practice their gifts. That's a good thing. We need to acknowledge that we have gifts because you all do have it. You've been given a gift. Now, some of us are getting our gifts. Some of us haven't received our gifts. Some of us are waiting for our gifts. But you know what? We need to be asking for it. And then we also not only ask for it, we need to receive it and not only receive it and then hide it in the closet, we need to use it. And don't bury your gift, your talent, your thing that God's given you. Don't bury it saying, well, I don't know. I'm not quite like so-and-so. Guess what? You are not like so-and-so. Praise God for that. There's only one of that person. There's two. There's more of you. You guys are called to use your gifts and your talents. But in 1 Corinthians 12, oh, my goodness, yes. Here we go. You ready? Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. That's a huge phrase. Not like, I know Jesus, but Jesus is Lord, because it means he's commander in chief. He is over everything. He is king. There are different kinds of gifts to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to, still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all, has, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit as to, as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Not of one part, not of one pastor, not of one leader, not of one, of many. You guys have all gifts. You guys are all powerful in your gifts. I mean, I could testify, I've heard... I've heard of stories, and it's wonderful when I see you operating your gifts without me even knowing, without me saying, go do. I don't like being that person. I don't like to be like, you know, there's the micromanagers, and you're like, well, wait, should I do this? Am I allowed to? I don't want you to feel that way. I never want you to feel that way. I want you to feel like if God's calling you, go. Go do it. Be bold. But we're working all together as one body in unity. Because it all talks in 1 Corinthians 15 how to do this in unity together. Um, I lost my place. Here, hold on. All right. Oh, here we go. Now, if the foot should say, and this is important, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. It's important. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. It's still valuable. You're still valuable. Man, it's important to understand your value. Say, you know what? I'm good with being this. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being a foot, all right? I go places. <laughs> you know, I'm okay with being an ear. I hear things and I can share them. It's important to know your voice. You' okay to know your function. And you know what? And I know Mike can testify to this. Some people are kidneys, and you don't appreciate a kidney until you lose one. (laughs) You don't appreciate the function of a good kidney until you're like, it's not working. You appreciate your body, honor one another, serve one another. You honor every function. And again, no one appreciates Jim until the slides are not working. And then he fixes it, and he fixes everything, every time, every time, every time. But you appreciate the people, you appreciate the things, and you don't know, and Lisa will do things, and we're all doing things, you just don't know it, and you appreciate what the outcome of it is, but I want you to know, we are important, you're important. If the whole body were an eye, oh, Lord, what a mess, where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But In fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. I love that we would spend time honoring one another. I call it a culture of honor. A culture of honor. It's really something we're not used to. Some of us are. I know it's one of those things. At least from what I've been, I could get to that point of I can mock people. I can make fun of people. I can belittle people. I can say mean things and gossip and tear down and even just... Or just think, man, they're just, I don't know, they're just not that great. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't have respect for them, and I'm not going to do things. And you just, what you start doing, even if it's small things, like or just the way you talk to other people about them. Because there's people that drive you crazy. Let me tell you, I, if you don't have somebody that's driving you crazy, I don't know where you are, but praise God, I want to learn from you. Okay, I want to learn from you, but at the same time, there are people that hurt us, that make us irritated, and they rub us raw, and, and then... All you have to do is talk to your friend that you're going to, I'm just going to dump and vomit and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not, that's not a culture of honor. Vomiting on a p- person about all your problems and not trying to solve them is gossip, and it destroys and hurts people. And what if they walked in the room and heard what you said about them? It's so destroying. But what I'm trying to say is, man, we need to have a culture of honor, esteeming them, even when, you know, sometimes we don't agree with them. I have people in my life, we didn't always get along, but man, I'm so grateful for what they produced in me. I'm so grateful for who God's called them to be. They were there at the right moment, whether I liked it or not, they were there for the right moment and they produced something in me that was not there before because Jesus allowed me to be sharpened and to be honed. I want to be honed. I want to be created to be a good instrument for his glory. And that's what we want. We want to honor people. We want to speak life into people. And I love what Vicki did last time, just speaking life on. You went the second mile. You went way beyond what you were expected to do. You didn't have to honor her to the Lord. You could have said, Lord, she's an idiot. What is wrong with her? That would have been fine, right? No, it's, it's, it's in the standard of the world, it's fine. It's not fine there. In the standard of his, his kingdom, he's like, speak life into her bones. And you did. And that was awesome. All right. right, oh, Man, this is so important. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, that's me. Don't special treat me. But God has put the whole, like, it's like I'm the front. I'm presentable. I'm like here. But like, you know what? You can honor me. Good. Don't flatter me with your words, though. Just like, man, let's love one another. Let's serve me and talk to me if I'm not doing. I love people who will talk with me and challenge me. Thomas, I'm. I miss, I love his conversation, I love his conversation, his questions. He'd always challenged me, and I always felt loved by the way he would ask me questions. I miss him. Man, but God has put the body together and giving great honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division of the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. Loving one another. That means we know by our love. If one part suffers, every part. If Mary Lou suffers, we're all suffering, okay? Man, bless her. Oh, I miss her. Um, just Mary Lou, if you're watching, we're praying for you. We love you. Praying for healing in Jesus' name on your leg. Oh, Father. Man, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Isn't that sweet? Where, you know, we have crabs in a barrel situation a lot in life. If someone succeeds, you're like, well, why didn't I get, you know, whatever, honored? And he's like, no. Celebrate with them. It's a victory. It's a victory. If you're the person that, like, shared the gospel, I love this example. My dad shared the gospel for years and years and years with this guy for, like, 10 years. And he didn't hear him for 20, 30 years. And he, out of the blue, called him. He said, hey, I just want to let you know. I became a believer and it didn't happen under my dad's watch, right? <laughs> it's like, he's like, I could have been mad about that, but he's like, that's a victory. I had a part in that. That's beautiful. And he's like, but thank you for being faithful all that time. That's important to be faithful and celebrate and be excited. Man, be excited about what God's doing. Okay. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That's written in there twice. Sorry. I was like, hold oh, on, that seems familiar. Um, deja vu. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, the miracles, the gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. He's placed those things. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? He's not saying no. You can't ever have this. But he said, here's the thing. Now eagerly desire these, the greater gifts. These are really good gifts. These are really cool things to do be part of. And yes, tap into that. Go for healing. Speak in tongues. Do these things. But I love it. He's like, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. This is so good. I think, Jody, you and I were talking about this. I just love it. We were just talking. What's the most excellent way? This is so much more important. This is so much higher. Again, not negating the gifts. But if you got these and not this, we're missing the point. And this is the thing. One heart, one mind, one spirit. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And I wish I had one because we would automatically just feel cringy. (laughs) we would have a little cringe to us, wouldn't we? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have all the faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. That mountain's gone and I'm still nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but I do not have love, I gain nothing. You see, love is patient. And this is not a marriage thing. This is a bridal paradigm thing where we are the bride of Christ. This is what we're called to, to be patient, to be kind, to not envy, not boasting, not proud. Because love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. (laughs) That phrase right there. How many of you got a list? Do you guys have a list anywhere where you guys are like, yeah, you've ha- I have some odds. I have a few odds against you. We have some odds against some people. But I remember, I, I think it's, I forget where, which passage, but Jesus is saying, before you go pray and worship and go to the temple and give homage to me, he's like, oh, he's like, before you do that, before you go make your sacrifices, I would rather you go back to your friend and say, sorry, and say, I know you hurt, I hurt you. I'm sorry, or you hurt me, and I'm sorry, and I'm holding it against you. I'd rather you do that first. Go to your friend. He doesn't say, think about your friend. He doesn't say it secretly. He say, I'm sorry, Lord, about my friend, and how our, like, he's like, no, go. Go. If you can, if you can physically do it, if you can digitally do it, go. That's a hard thing. We want to know, because again, we don't want to hold anything back. We want to be all in. We want to be loving Jesus with all that we are, not holding anything back. And I love that. Kathy shared about unoffendable heart. We don't want to have any offense in our hearts. It's just gross. It is, we don't realize how gross it is until we see the infection. I, mean, I could share your story, but I don't know. I don't want to gross anybody out here today. But infections are gross. And if you're a nurse, you know it's very gross. You've seen some. Um, But it's awful. But God just shows me what hurt, what things that lie under the surface that you really don't know how gross and how bad it is for you until it starts rearing its head. And then it's like, ooh, that's gross. Okay, I'm going to go in there. I, I could. I could go. But I don't want anybody throwing up here, okay? Oh, bless you guys for listening to me. Okay. All right. Where do we leave off? Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. We don't like, we don't celebrate when people fall on their faces, even if, man, they just seem so evil. We want to rejoice with the truth that God is doing what he's doing. It's a different spirit. It's the same thing. We want the spirit of truth to come out. But we do not want to go, ha, you failed. It's like, no, that's, not, that's keeping a right or wrong. We want to be like, Lord, I want the truth to come out. That's better. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, when Jesus comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man or a woman in Christ, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And we talked about this, hope and love. And, but now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is Love. And we don't want to negate hope, but, you know, we had, a, we had a good series about that. So I want to go back in that. If you want to listen to that, it's on our podcast. So, um, man, there's a lot. Oh, boy, there's so much, but so much goodness. We want to be looking like this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely, and this is what I want you to see as, as we walk together, as we sit together, as we go to... Kathy and Fred's house together, I want us to look like this, completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, not dealing with one another, but bearing one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Some of us, I don't want to be, I love it. He's like, then we will no longer be infants. I don't want to be infants. I don't want to be on milk anymore, okay? I want to be eating some steak, okay? I want to get on the meat. I want to get on the stuff. I mean, if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll a good salad. A good salad. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I can't think. There's some, there's some good vegetarian, vegan foods out there. So, oh, actually, you know, I love it. So, anyway, all right. Stop talking about that. Talk about food. I'm getting hungry. Um, But we want to become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Because people are crafty and deceitful. There can be those people out there. But we want to be soundly grounded in the word. Instead, we speak the truth in Love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That is important. We don't, okay, get this awkward image of a big head and a little body, a baby body, adult head. Jesus is the head, He's mature, He's coming here. But it looks a little awkward when we're just all a bunch of baby body parts, okay? I want to grow. I want to be mature in my faith. I want to look like a mighty warrior and speaking and walking and also knowing my calling, knowing my function and being mature. And when we talk about the, you know, being a father in the faith and the mother in the faith, we want to share what we're learning. And okay, third point and the final point. Everyone loved one another in God's commands that's what united them. They followed God's commands. They went and said, okay. They didn't say, I'll follow some of your commands. I will follow all of your commands. He loves those who obey him, obey his commands. That doesn't mean, I, I, I gave this example, I think on me, uh, I forget what we were talking about, but, um, or who we were talking with, but I was just talking about this idea of like, what does obedience look like? You know, at first God says, love God, love one another, right? And then it, it's like, well, okay. But if he keeps having to say, okay, love that person. Okay, love that person. We, and sometimes we wait for the voice of the Lord to tell us what to do. And that's not bad. But sometimes if, you're, um, if you live in a home and you have a garbage can and you're the guy that, or the girl that takes out the garbage and your parents says, take the garbage out every time, every time. Every time. and like, you know, it, Does it feel like obedience or does it feel like nagging? Nagging. nagging. <laughs> he says, but what if you, this is profound, but what if you knew what day it was and what God designed for you? And you're like, I'm going to go ahead and take the garbage out. Is that still obedience? Yes, it's obedience. Did he tell you to do it? A long time ago, yes, he did. So we know what God called us to do. We're not waiting for our calling. We already know what that is. John 15, here it is. I knew it. I was like, I thought I had it in there. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me and that bears no fruit. That's important. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Pruning is good. Pruning hurts, but it's so good. It strengthens us. Just when you think, God, I'm ready. He's like, nope, hold on. I'm going to strengthen you a little bit. You're not ready for what's about to come. I want you to be ready. That's his desire. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will. This is a promise. You will bear much fruit. But apart from me, this is also a promise. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father's loved me, so have I. I have loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands, here it is, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That doesn't mean just this group here. It means everyone. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made it known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is very important. Not bear with one another, deal with one another, love each other. We already know what love looks like. 1 Corinthians 13 exemplifies that. Love one another. And I love the fact that we're friends. We know his commands. We know what he's calling us to do. It's no longer a surprise. We act like we're waiting. Sometimes, and I've done this, I'm just saying this from my own life. It doesn't matter my occupation, my calling is still the same. It never changed not once, it's the same. To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and making, we're called to make disciples. We're all called. He didn't say, pastors, please do this, and then show them how, and then, you know, he's calling us all, and that's what we're doing. We're meet, meeting together. We're practicing these things. I'm, I'm going to skip over because I just read it, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that is our calling. That is our calling, Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This doesn't say pastors teach them to do everything I've commanded you. He says, each one of us gets to teach. We get the privilege to teach the word of God. We get to do that together. And that's, that's what we're doing. Like, like this whole idea of life groups. And again, I, I'm not saying life groups is going to be so much better than anything else. I love what we're doing. The women's group has been great. The men's group has been great. And I'm so excited. I just want to take it this is good, we're just going to try something a little different. Not better, just different. We're going to meet together. We're going to eat together. We're going to share the word together. We're going to teach each other. We're going to, by sharing what we're getting out of the word, we're going to be teaching each other. We're going to be excited about the word. I get to hear what you guys get to think, get to think about it. And it's not about, hey, let's read through Caleb's notes, and you know, but read through the word and see what the word has in you. Like what is producing in you, what's convicting you to do. We, wanted, we want to be people about application. We don't want to be people like that. Again, I don't want to be taste and see. And like, that was good. And I won't do anything about it. That was nice. I loved it. I'll see you next Sunday. I want to try it out. I want to do some of these things that he's called to do. And so we get to do that with life group. We get to do that by meeting together. That's what, when women's group happens, that's the goal. Disciples, making disciples. When men's group meets together, that's the goal. Teaching each other, discipling one another. Practicing time and prayer. That's what we've been doing. We have a prayer focus, united in prayer. We celebrate. We celebrate in our big, I call this our family reunion feeling. It feels like that because it is a big old family. But there's a lot of pods of different families. And as we get our groups going, as our life groups grow, those are becoming more like they'll like family. And we'll have time of study, a time of community, simplicity. It doesn't mean we have to have extravagant plans. But we want to simplify the process and go into what's important. We want to submit. We want to submit to one another and just live and live in submission to what God is doing. Um, We want to be in service. We want to find our giftings. We want to be confessing to one another, because not because I need you to, but because God says confess to one another. He calls us to do that. It's not easy, but we cover that. We're joyful repentance. It is joyful to repent from what you're doing and walk in, in freedom and to worship together and to And walk together in guidance, seeking his guidance and guiding one another towards him, provoking one another back to the Lord. And last passage, Hebrews 10, 23-25, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another Again, and we've read this earlier, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Things are not getting better. I don't think they will, but that's my honest opinion. That's just my opinion. I don't think, I don't know what that looks like, but I don't think things are going to get better or back to what it was. I think the day is a coming, (laughs) it's going to come. He already promises that. And we need to not forsake the things that are making us, that will bring division, that will bring fear, that will bring anger and resentment and bitterness and all these things that divide us. We need to build our love and our bond for one another, and that means let's get together. That sounds like a song, I know. Um, <laughs> I was like, isn't that like, oh, anyway. <laughs> Parent Trap. Okay, there we go. I got it. Oh, man. Oh, man. I was like, oh, But really, let's get together. Let's meet together, and let's serve one another. Like, let's be excited what God's doing, and provoke things, and just be excited. I don't. So we're gonna meet together. I'm gonna be quiet. I was gonna say shut up, but I probably shouldn't say that as often, especially if my kids are listening. Um, We need just let's just. I want to finish and just pray for you guys and pray blessings on you guys. And um, and if there's anything like you know like any hurt from my community and being close to one another, because that might be something. I think that that is a reasonable hurt. There's been people that if you got in a smaller group, have hurt you, have offended you, have treated you, have kicked you out of the group, or have just slandered you. I don't know. There's small groups. They're risky business. I'll tell you, it's, it's scary sometimes to be in a small group because you, be, you have to be vulnerable. And you can only hold out for so long. And eventually when you're vulnerable, sometimes people don't handle your, your life really well. And so I just, I just want to invite you, if you feel like there's anything that's come in the past of like small groups, it scares me, it makes me f- afraid, or if I've had a lot of bad experiences about it, I want to invite you to stand and pray. Or, I mean, we let's all stand, so I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, let's all stand and pray. But I want, if you do feel the confidence or the boldness to say, that is me, I need prayer, I am nervous about this, we want to pray together and pray for you. Because we want to be a people of prayer, a people that gather together, and a people that encourage one another.